met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Welcome to another episode of Subconscious Realms. I'm your host, General Lee, and for tonight, um, <laughs> this extraordinary gentleman uh, needs no introduction whatsoever. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sir Robbie Marks. Uh, now then, Robbie, mate. Hey, how you doing, Lee? I'm um, good, thanks. Uh, yourself? yourself? Yeah, it's, it's been busy. Um, I've been cranking out a bunch of art. Um, I just finished a poster for the Ganja Grail in Maine. Ganja Grail. Yeah, yeah. It's a big oh. ganja competition and they have a bunch of bands. Um it's in uh Maine. Um I want to say it's the last uh of September into early October. Um, oh last weekend. Like last weekend. No, it's it's, it's coming up. Oh, here, oh wow okay. September to October. Um is it like a big festival like? Yeah it's a big harvest festival. Um you know and they they basically match their wares to see who basically has grown um the best in in the neighborhood you know gee man that sounds yeah. like proper um someone you do fucking nine years ago <laughs> yeah yeah so it's but you know basically we go out there i go out there and uh you know i'll camp out um yeah kind of primitive camping for the thing and you know, they have the bands and they have a big bonfire and, um, you know, it's, uh, it is, um, but yeah, so I'm just basically doing a lot of work right now. Um, so do you, would you, have you designed the, like the poster for this festival? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And basically oh. the image is done. Um, and like the header I did, um, it's nice. Um, and then uh, we're going through some textual changes right now, just hammering out the final details. And then they're going to release it on, you know, it'll be on like relics and a bunch of miscellaneous places announcing it as a right. festival, you know. So, oh. Yeah. But, but you can't wait. But you can't wait. Uh, yeah. What's the, it's, what's the weather know, usually like, uh, Robert? That time of year is usually right when all the leaves are changing. So, Basically, this place that it's at, um, Harry's Hill in Maine, um, in Starks, right. um, you're basically um, on like a hillside overlooking like mountains all around you. And like all the leaves are changing colors and you got like oranges and reds and some, you know, remaining greens. So it's just like an absolutely beautiful time of year, you know. Oh, I was just going to say then, that yeah. looks uh, beautiful. Yeah, so... Uh, that's coming up and you know i'm just uh basically um cranking out a bunch of this art that i've been 
kind of building up uh while we were out on the road man so yeah which is um every single piece of your artwork robert is it's like it's from uh, another world <laughs> it's uh it's, it's amazing it's uh just you know a lot of time and a lot of devotion and yeah basically yeah. it's just what i've always loved doing you know so i really i really kind of sink into it and just have fun with it yeah yeah it's uh it's very unique at just like you are thanks man just thanks. like you are right? <laughs> i love it i love it so um yeah we uh got some interesting i was actually quite made up about the uh, episode with uh, jan that we had mm, some yeah. really good feedback off that nice, nice. Uh, as I mean, with, with I, I every know. episode we've had robbie yeah, and I know Jan, um, Jan is is a rather you know controversial figure to a lot of people, and I just thought it would be interesting to get him on and and just kind of talk to him about you know basically what his stance is on the whole thing. And I don't know. One of the things I really wish we would have gone a little bit more into was um, the uh, the mushroom culture before um the spanish came in and you know basically the the stuff previous to um in other you know but basically we were there to talk about the book so we kind of stuck to that subject you know which was good yeah so, yeah, yeah yeah but uh yeah de i definitely uh love getting on again um because there's uh there's so so many areas he could have gone that conversation oh yeah yeah yan goes down some some deep deep rabbit holes and, you know, I don't necessarily agree with everything he says. Um, but like I said, you know, he's he's produced a lot of the same um, miscellaneous results that I have in, in my yeah. research. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and he, you know, definitely philosophically, you know, um, sometimes we mesh and sometimes we don't. But, hey, that's the that's the idea of dialectics. That's the, you know, that which is basically you go back to the Greek, you know, and dialectics was basically what they was the idea of a conversation you know so the idea yeah. of having a conversation those dialectics it's like you know listening to what other people have to say and comparing that to your own personal beliefs and you know you know maybe you don't agree maybe you do agree but but it's it's you know the idea of expanding the possibilities of what could be i think is the long-term net result you know of the conversation you know yeah i mean well it think about it if you if you're having a conversation with someone and um, if you're just agreeing all the time it was i don't think it would be as interesting as if there would be some and i'm not saying all the time but i'm just saying if there would be like some like differentiations in what you're talking about because yeah. that would make it more you know like the the conversation will go a different, take a different path if, if you know what I mean. Right, right. But yeah, and I mean, you know, Jan basically, uh, as as you know, many subjects as he's been through, um, you know, we were there to talk about the the recent uh, publication he made, so that was good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the, that was the book you just finished. Literally just finished as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I finished it the <laughs> night that we went on. You know, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty much. I mean, besides sitting around and doing the art and you know doing the house stuff and um, spending you know time with the wife when I can, um, 
it's pretty much uh whenever i get the chance i'm i'm sitting and reading you know yeah um that why so your knowledge is just uh, it's just incredible in so many areas and and, well, you know and i've got my own areas that that i've uh definitely studied more than other areas and um you know um but but a lot of that ancient you know mesopotamian stuff and um you know ancient Atlantean and a lot of that stuff you know i just really for i mean years and years i've just been you know saturating myself in anything i can get my hands on because, because it's you know it's it's just uh some of the more interesting stuff that i found um, to stimulate the mind you know yeah yeah uh, which makes me wonder where we're gonna go today probably mm. <laughs> that last episode was i mean the part one was mind-blowing but part two <laughs> going down the hole that way. was uh, talking about the was yeah. yeah yeah the, um... so what do you think what do you did was there something Something you specifically wanted to talk about tonight? Uh, something different. Something different. What? Um, mm. I don't know. Where do you, where do you think was um, a big old staff? It. Yeah, I don't know. I was looking over some notes, and I was looking at some different stuff about you know Anana Ishtar and a lot of the different. Uh, you know philosophical elements of the babylonians and the yeah well i, I, know, I know a bit a bit from like what's been briefly mentioned but nothing in in great detail yeah let's see um that's the second book find this over here and we can kind of oh i thought i stuck a post-it note in there hmm yeah and i'm sorry if i appear to be unprepared man you're not mate you're not you're not unprepared at all i think i'm just coming um, off right now I'm we was not sure anyway which which yeah. way was, what would be the best way to go anyway um yeah. well i was anyway <laughs> it was incredible like, throwing the um like the anunnaki in it and... right um well and that's i mean it's uh as far as historically you know um it's yeah it's definitely interesting to see how those ancient like gigantos or those ancient giant um you know nephilim Rephaim, um bloodlines like the dragon line um kind of have been handed down into like you know the modern like personifications of the crown man yeah. um you know and and going through and following like a lot of the the crown stuff you know i'm i'm basically uh you know in the middle of doing the you know a really deep dive on ancient bohemia right now um oh, ancient prussia yeah and uh so i'm getting some stuff together on that um but let's see so now as far as the babylonian sumerian um let's see uh in old sumar um the moon was the firstborn son of enlil who was the king of the gods before marduk took the place in babylon and um the That's moon very interesting. 
Yeah, the moon. Now the moon in Babylon, right, was referred to as Sin, S I N, right. So when you see, yep. So when you see biblically, when the Bible says go and sin no more, what they're basically saying is really go and and you know worship the moon no more, because they're talking about the you know Akkadian, you know Sumerian um, moon goddess who was Sin, you know. Um, and, uh, let's see, Sin was the one, she was one of the seven gods who, who decreed. So she basically was the one that handed down, like, rule over all the other, um, planets, right? Um, and these seven miscellaneous, um, beings or, you know, um, high entities, um, besides Sin being the moon, right? You had Anu, who was the sky, and that's where you get the Anunnaki, right? From the sky. The, so the sky was Anu, right? And, and you know, it basically says that it kind of churned forth these beings that were the Anunnaki that, that basically fell from Anu or the sky, you know, as the fallen ones. Right. Um, Crazy. Yeah. And then you have Enlil, um, who yeah. was... Yeah, who was the earthly king. So he's basically um, the the force that was put in charge, you know, over the earthly realm. Yeah. Um, now, then you have um, Ningharsag, who is the mother of the gods. And she's basically the same as Mother Rhea, um, you know, who later became Juno um, after she uh, passed. Um, and then we have Inki, who is the god of wisdom, which is uh, very much in line with like Thoth, Hermes. Um, right, right. So Inki falls into that same um, category as far as, you know, being one of the gods of wisdom. Yeah. Um, and so now you have um, Enlil and Inki, um, Enlil being the earthly king, right? And then Inki, who is the god of wisdom, who basically yeah. occupies the underworld. Um, and I think we talked about him sitting on a like a tic-tac cubic throne and you know, um in the freshwater sea in the hollow earth. Um right, right. And he's basically growing the tree of life, you know, in one of the pots that he's basically tending um in the underworld. Um so then there was also one of the other forces of these seven forces of ancient Samaria was Shemesh, who was yeah, Shemesh, who was basically the sun or pure light in this, you know, in its essence. Um, and then we have um, who most people have probably heard of um, Ishtar, who, Ishtar. you know, yeah, is the goddess of sex and war. And um, basically they said that the, um, battlefield, you know, was her playground, and she always determined like the outcome of war. So, and I think when you see the movie, have you seen the the new Wonder Woman movie here in the last few years? Oh, uh, is it Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four? Um, no, not from nineteen. It's the newer one, um, and it's a Marvel movie. Um, no, is but, it called? Is it actually called? I know the, well, I'm not sure. well, but basically what I was going to say is that the Wonder Woman in the new Marvel movie, um, she very much reminds me of like 
um, Ishtar, you know, and the and like the battlefield being her playground. Because when they really start fighting and she's just like, you know, like uh, moves like faster than, you know, like, you know, the, almost yeah. faster than light or something, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, man. <laughs> you know, so uh, now let's see. Um, and it was sin um, as now she was kind of wild and gender fluid. Um, and, you know, much like the moon will pass from day to night to night to day and back, in, you know, and be both in the day and the night, you know, as she moves through her, her different, you know, um, phases. Um, basically, it was sin as this wild gender fluid, you know, God goddess um, that basically gave birth to Shemesh, who was the light. Um, right. Right. So um, it was basically and here we have the story again of basically um, this this uh, goddess of of darkness um, and light um, that basically gives birth to Shemesh or the light. So it's it's very much that old tale of, you know, the uh, the entities, you know, the shadows swimming in the darkness. And then the first thought form coming forth, you know, was that that birth of the light of Lucifer that the occultists speak of, you know. Um, And uh, so that basically brought illumination with the the birth of Shemesh. And um, again, that's that symbol of the circumpunct that you see with the circle with the dot in the center of it and uh you see it in various places um but let's see so uh as the queen of the heavens um being the queen of darkness giving birth to the sun or light as lux um we we must remember that every time we hear baal the word baal um that this is a title so it's basically baal means lord um as you know marduk was the um the the god of the the lord of the storm so they called him baal um and uh let's see and his queen baal's queen was um beltis so you had yeah baal and beltis were the titles of the king and the queen in ancient Babylon, in ancient and also the ancient empire of Acadia. Um, yeah. So, but it's uh, you know it's just interesting looking back at that whole mythos of of the Babylonian Sumerian um, philosophy, you know, and and how um, it ties in with Egypt. Um, how it it ties in with those uh, drifting nomads, you know, the Scythians um, that distributed through uh, Mesopotamia and into India. Um, And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Just, just. It's uh, it's incredible, isn't it? I I was like the stories, how it carries on. Yeah, well, and that's the whole thing, man, is, you know, as you're going through this stuff, you do see that, um it it was what was it called um in the mysteries when it was the uh, spread of the philosophy of nimrod and it was called oh it's right on the tip of my tongue but uh it was it basically meant 
setting the whole world on fire. So as these, as these, you know, mystery occult philosophies um, would move, you know, based on the trade in the region. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, it was being moved through the merchant class, which is why Mercury is the God of the, of the merchants um, and the thieves and the liars and the travelers. You know? <laughs> so you, you basically have Mercury being the Mercur or, you know, related to mercantilism. So you basically have this, you know, these, these essential stories um, dating all the way back into, you know, um, depending on the, the, you know, you have the Hyperboreans um, coming in and, you know, like they're bringing, and this would be more um, like uh, the Irish um, and English kind of area. Yeah where um they're basically coming in you know and it said that they came in on a magic ship and you know surrounded by black clouds and like the maidens you know like uh these tall maidens with braids in their hair brought like yeah, you yeah. Know, loaves of bread and like brought the you know the hyperbole originally the honeybees were said to be hyperborean you know um and, and but at the same time you also have um isis in egypt who announces that she's the one that brought in, introduced the honeybees, um, you know, and called them um, flies that make nectar, you know. So, um, yeah, so depending on, you know, um, whether you're talking about the Dagonian or the Veracota, or you're talking about the Hyperborean, or you're talking about, you know, they all have um, similar stories um, that they're relating and, and similar information that they're bringing. Um, oh, back to the Hyperboreans, um, probably the chief head of the Hyperboreans, right, was Apollo. And Apollo, when he came... Oh, yeah, yeah, he, um, he, go ahead. Very interesting there, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Apollo brought his medicinal gardens with him. So he basically brought you know, medicine into the new world, right? And he basically had um, gardens with all his herbs and all his different, um, you know, roots and spices. And, um, and in the garden, one of the main things he brought was the apple tree or the Apollo tree, right? And, wow. um, right? So, um, and, and, you know, when you have, you know, you have the whole idea of an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Um, you have in uh, like ancient um, Rome and Italy, um, if a boy were to throw an apple to a girl, that was like a proposal to marriage. And if she caught the apple, then she was bound to marry the boy, you know. <laughs> so, um, but it, it's, it's all, yeah, it's always had this, um, this idea of healing and generation and in basically bringing forth life as far as the apple you know um yeah. but it's funny crazy, that, crazy isn't it right right <laughs> well, it was now, and it was the apple tree um that the druids well as the apple and the oak tree both but the apple tree the druids also in the winter time it's where they would harvest the all heel or the uh um what's it called the mistletoe from you know which is basically a parasitic um, plant that grows and blossoms in the winter you know um, but that the druids actually thought that it was a uh, 
um, a plant that had come from the moon, from the mountains of the moon, and it had been left behind by the gods on earth, right? Um, so they would basically go up and harvest this mistletoe um, with a golden scythe, you know, on a certain day at a certain time and, and basically cut the, the berries down, you know, and, and they could they could never touch the earth, you know, cause it was the semblance of the idea that they were suspended between the heavens and the earthly realm. So that's kind of this, you know, the idea of the magic happens in between, you know? So, um, but, but when we look forward as far as Apollo, um, we see biblically, that um he ends up in the bottomless pit um very much along the same lines of like lucifer you know um right. and and a lot of the christian philosophy um they basically prognosticate that um at the end of time you know when the seven seals are broken that basically the spirit of apollo is going to rise out of the bottomless pit you know, so it's this again. It's this story of the return of the the giants or the Nephilim, you know, back from the being trapped in the black cube yeah. in the center of the earth. You know, um, yeah, yeah. It's just uh, it's fascinating, mate. It really is, right? So, but yeah, um, it's you know, it's it's very interesting looking at all these different schools. Um, yeah. You know, as far as the Dagon. Um, and the, you know, the Dagon people, um, getting into the, the idea that they, um, told about Sirius B, um, being, you know, the sun behind the sun, um, before, yeah. we had, before we had telescopes to be able to come to that real, you know, realization, um, with, you know, strong enough telescopes. Um, but, you know, the Dagonian, they had, uh, what, you know, basically, um, when you look at the Pope, the Pope's hat is the Dagonian hat. And yeah. that goes back to the Dagon, which H.P. Lovecraft writes a little bit about the Dagon here and there. Um, but they were, you know, in accordance with the, with uh, the, those people that were taught by the Dagon, um, they said they were like the abomination that came up from the sea. And they had like uh, legs with a fishtail that grew out behind it and they had like arms and they had the face of a man with a fish head on top and you know yeah, they, yeah, they basically <laughs> yeah they brought the um they brought the rod and the measure and they basically you know um you know bringing back the civilization that had fallen you know um basically teaching us you know how to build temples again and how to you know resurrect the the you know um miscellaneous uh yeah. seven you know seven schools of thought you know from pre-diluvian times you know um it's uh yeah pretty interesting stuff man it is um it's it robbie it's, it's fucking incredible mate right it's just it's it's like a another um remarkable uh, perspective added to mm. um to now really yeah especially you know relating to the fact that it's just with the use of the modern telescope that they i mean they knew that sirius was basically our sister system and we kind of dance around it um 
but it just was until you know i mean i remember when it had i can't tell you how many years ago it was you know probably in the last couple decades that they basically you know found um serious b which is the sister son of our son and, and you know and that goes into the whole um the lower or the lesser mysteries of egypt where basically um you know they would they would see serious rising um and at the point of the the head that the the peak of the dog days of summer um serious in the daytime hours would be behind the sun so you know th that it's what it became known as the sun behind the sun or the black sun essentially black sun, black right sun. and when you when you get all into really looking at that um the black sun or sirius b um is um set or setos who was um biblically you know one of the the sons of noah um that basically came in and decapitated um you know osiris um for doing his mysteries you know um right, and, right. and also being the one that was responsible for the architecture of the pyramids as well as building the sphinx you know in uh, celebration uh, in celebration of ending those those mysteries it's, it's like the, the, the pyramids i mean mm. who knows really really when they, they were made and how they were made yeah it's uh it's definitely there's definitely so many different um interesting thought minds on you yeah. know what they were how they were built you know but well but the one thing we do know about pyramids for certain is they're on every single continent of the planet you know? yeah, 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 so it's uh so you know you have to think um it's you know going back to that idea of some sort of an ancient you know global interlinked system you know with trade and and you know and then that that gets into like there's uh in michigan they you know here in the united states um they found these copper mines that they said had you know been worked for you know thousands and thousands of years and you know and they they wonder where all the copper in the middle east came from you know um and, and yeah. they just said there was but at the same time they're taking hundreds of thousands of pounds of copper out of these mines at the same time they're wondering you know where did all this uh copper in the middle east come from you know it's it's like it and it's interesting just how little um as far as uh, the compartmentalization of education like people have a yeah, tendency yeah. to specialize in their own field and you know basically you know they know every nuance of their own field but you know if it's it's like the web of shiva you know it's like everything is interconnected with one another so i think the broader you can expand your understanding and realization and i mean you know there's just so much good stuff to dig in and read oh, <laughs> and, and you know what i'll tell you what if and if you know people are listening and they're like well i don't really like reading okay cool you know um you can go on archive.org 
and you can find an any you know old, super old texts that that are talking about this crazy stuff and you yeah. can you know bring them up on your screen and you can highlight the page and tell your computer to read it to you you know and some sometimes when i'm really sleepy at night i got a couple books going and i'll just you know sit and i'll highlight the page and i'll kind of be doing whatever i'm doing and let the computer read it to me you know so that yes. So many ways to access this information now. Yeah, I, I guess it's a bit like uh, like audible in a way. Yeah, uh, but yeah. That, like what you, that, that what you're saying that that can be more like focused on like a specific area. Uh, well, the thing, the thing, with brilliant audible, idea that mate. Brilliant. Yeah, the, the thing with Audible, man, is you know, and you do have like uh, um, the Grammarica, you know, crew. Um, basically yeah, yeah. with their adult learning books and you know a lot of the esoteric stuff that they're putting out which is great um but yeah, a lot of stuff man generally speaking audible is very much pop culture um so if you're wanting to dig into like you know deeper stuff then you kind of really have to and and you know um archive.org is a great resource you know as far as going and, and just finding some abstract subjects you know um brilliant yeah. mate brilliant yeah. this is like um uh, passing this this kind of technique what you use robert it's uh it's brilliant thank you yeah well and that's the whole thing man i mean you know it's it's uh if you're into this stuff and and there's ways of doing yeah. it besides, and there used to be a program that i used to use um air read um that you could take any pdf so you could go to you could go to archive.org and find a PDF of a book and drop it in that app, and you could yeah. listen to it like audible, audible, you know. Um, not, mate. Yeah, but they yeah. basically through the course of updates, they basically outdated it, so you can't even upload a book on it anymore, you know. Um, so I'm basically looking for something comparable to that. Typical, that mate. Yeah. Typical. Well, in, in the summer, you know, we'd be driving cross country and, you know, my wife will be reading her book and I'll throw on headphones and basically, you know, have one of those old texts, you know, from archive that I've downloaded and just Brilliant, listen, Brilliant. listen to that as I'm cruising cross country, man. It's, uh, you know, it's, I, and it's honestly, I think it's more entertaining um, than uh, any soap opera. You know that you're gonna yeah, see yeah, definitely, because, definitely. well and, and honestly man when you get into a lot of these tv shows now um all they are is rehashings of these ancient stories you know and and it gets to the point where you know at a certain point it's like it's it's predictable it's like occasionally there's some you know some good stuff but it's uh yeah i mean um yeah <laughs> Try it, mate. Try it. I think um, right out of the the it, the start of the office, it's like, it's like what I'm trying to say now is like um, that that Sumerian and the Anunnaki. I think that it it, it proper threw me because I, I didn't expect that in the last last installment what we did. Um, now um, so so if we get back into the the whole sumerian stuff right um as far as the the apps being the freshwater 
um you know and and you had so you had the salt water and the fresh water right and the way right. that the sumerians looked at these were that they were like as two dragons or two currents almost two right dragons. right like a male and a female current force and one of them they looked at as a red dragon and one of them they looked at as a dream a green dragon or the, which became the green dragon of the alchemists, which takes us up into Eschenbach's, uh, you know, grail, you know, quest. Yeah. And, and, you know, Interesting, man. Interesting. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so basically those two dragons were the positive and the negative energies of the perceivable reality, essentially very much analogous to like the yin and the yang. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, you, so you had the pushing and the grinding, you know, and and that friction um, that basically was what brought forth, you know, reality yeah. between the two, you know. Um, so, and it was Tiamat was was the name of the salt, the salt water. Um, is that the bit of is that the red dragon? Let's see the two dragons. I would say you would have the red dragon probably as the feet. Yeah, the red dragon's female and the green dragon is male. Female. And that probably gets right up into the green man as well. Um, Interesting. Let's see. But yeah, it was this Tiamat, the salt water that basically when these two dragons, you know, clashed in the heavens, um, it, yeah. the Tiamat, the, the salt water, um, is what was believed to be how the earth got its salt, salt water in the oceans. Would that be, uh, in any way, shape or form similar to Leviathan? Yeah, and that's where I was. That's exactly where I was going with this. So, oh, oh, sorry. Right, right. But that's good. That's good. Totally. Okay. Um, so now, um, in the in in the Imu Ali, uh, what is it? The Inuma Elish. Um, it tells us uh, the quote here about Tiamat. Right. It says, "Go and cut off Tiamat's life, and let the winds convey her blood to secret places." So the blood we think was the salt, the, what became the salt waters of the earth. Oh, awesome. Yeah, and this now this Tiamat was said to be some five times the size of the earth. And, <laughs> right? And at one That's point, big. it was said to be seen like a second sun um, as its atmosphere um, with its waters basically shimmered and shined in the sky. Um, reflecting the suns or the rays of Shemesh. And, you know, so the rays of Shemesh, the light, would be reflected yeah. off of the waters of Tiamat, the salt water, right? And when that, that, you know, the head of Tiamat was cut off and the blood was distributed to secret places, um, that was basically at the point that the earth was given salt water and the ability to sustain life, right? interesting right and so now that this destruction happened in the house of scorpio right and um there's some 
line there's one line of thinking that thinks that it was actually saturn um that that was the one that cut off um tiamat's head in the wars of the heavens which is where we get the idea of saturn being the um one with the scythe that cuts off time you know right, right. um and uh Let's see, and then and basically that's why the the sigil of the Scorpio um, has always been seen as a degenerative sign, um, like the Scorpio as far as the zodiac. You know, you're basically in the lowest depths of the water um, as the Scorpio, um, and you know the in the inflection of that would be the eagle which, you know, flies so high that, you know, no eye can see it. So you basically have, you know, um, that idea of falling and rising, very the mercurial, you know, kind of force. But it was also the reason that it was said, you know, um, that Jesus um, basically also died, you know, in, in the uh, sign of Scorpio. Um, as it was Judas's kiss, um, you know, that they compare with the sting of the Scorpio. Because when a scorpion leaves a sting, um, it looks like a set of lips or a kiss, you know. Right. right. Yeah. Um, and, and it was also this same time in Scorpio when um, Noah went into the ark um, as far as before the deluge game, you know. So all right. those times are related to this this point at which um tiamat's head was was cut off you know in ancient babylonian sumerian akkadian you know lexical right right, right. yeah it's uh it's fascinating isn't it? <laughs> i love um, it and now and that's uh, this is also where words like disaster and catastrophe came from um, right Disaster. Being, Catastrophe. Right. Being that disaster, right, means no star. So basically after Tiamat was, you know, and it was, you know, there's a whole line of thinking that this was basically like a water planet that was in our solar system. And that through the course of uh, some force coming through the solar system, that um, the planets got kind of banged around and basically where our asteroid belt is um, in our solar system, um, some are led to believe that this is where once this ancient Tiamat was. Right. You know? right. So. <laughs> Sounds good, mate. <laughs> and, and then, you know, basically the planets collided and we ended up in our new, you know, alignment that we have now. Yeah. Um, and and we were left with uh, the asteroid belt, but the Earth through this through the course of this gained salt water, and possibly could have gained the Moon as well. At that point, that is fucking uh, oh, It just gets even more interesting as you go along. Right. Well, and that's the whole thing, you know, when when you read um, Paracelsus or if you read Rudolf Steiner um, and they talk about, you know, all the metals coming from essentially gold. Um, and it's, it's interesting. The idea that Steiner conveys that the moon actually was birthed from the earth, you know, 
Um, whereas in some of the Egyptian stuff, um, there's some talk of Thoth um, kind of positioning the moon into its orbit, you know, as far as uh, I don't, and that some that's led some to say that, you know, it was like a ship and they, you know, drove it into its orbit. But we do know that the moon itself is made of, uh, what is it, silica dioxide um, from samples. Silica. Yeah. And it, yeah, which is basically glass, you know, so it, and, you know, NASA, when they crash, I guess India crashed a satellite into it, China, I want to say Japan and the United States have all crashed satellites into the moon. And basically they monitor it when they do that, um, as far as its resonance, um, and, and some of the stuff you read into it and it talks about, they were actually able to map the interior of the moon. Um, but it, the moon in accordance with NASA and these other space agencies, um, is said to be completely hollow. So it's basically a giant glass ball that's hovering in the, in the, you know, um, in, in the space between here and there. Yeah. And it's also, in, well, it's also interesting that it's like 60 times, what is it? It's like 60 moons between here and the moon. There's a bunch of six relationships, six and 60 and 600. Are um, they convenient sixes, Nick? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it will, that, be, it will be. It's, it's, yeah, it's, that gets interesting when you get into that whole line of thinking, for sure, man, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, now, as far as these two, you know, um, dragons, they very much are reminiscent of the Leviathan, right? And, and when you get into the whole idea of the Leviathan, um, it's basically, um, biblically, there's two Leviathans. There's two of these um, serpents or dragons or, you know, these, these energetic um, forces um, one of them is said to be a curved serpent, and the other one is said curved to be serpent. a curved serpent, right? What does that uh, equate to, uh, Robert, please? Well, I think that equates to the idea of the Aurora Borealis. Um, not the Aurora Borealis, the, uh, what is it, the, uh, where the serpent devours its tail. Um, Aborius. The, it's, yeah. It's right. It's by right. a... man there's just so it's it's so much information man sometimes it takes me a minute to find the right file drawer um (laughs) so the the ouroboros right you know which is basically this idea of um the you know you hear a lot of people say it's the snake eating its tail um but that is not truly what it is um the ouroboros is actually the snake speaking itself into existence so it's actually creating itself from nothingness you know but but like all cycles that works both ways so yes it could potentially be the serpent devouring its tail versus the serpent you know eating its tail so yeah um, but that's one of the Leviathans is the curved serpent, right? Which a lot also is associated with the curvature of the circle, which basically relates back to the idea of the mother of chaos, right? Yeah. So, and then the other um, Leviathan is the pointed serpent, 
Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think it really has a lot to do with uh, the idea of, um, you know, the regenerative male and female organs. Right. Right. Um, And and the pointed serpent is a piercing serpent, you know, piercing serpent, a piercing serpent. And, and there's not so much information I could find on the pointed serpent. Um, but the thing is, you know, these two serpents um, or these two dragon forces, these primal dragon forces, um, when you get into it, um, it relates directly to the idea of the caduceus or the, the entwined serpents, um, you know, relating. And, you know, here we go back to the generative force of those um those entwined serpents um directly giving us a tie to dna you know and the idea very, of very interesting mate creation um and and you know these um these symbols of the caduceus you know they go all the way back um i believe there's one example in ancient uh, transylvania that predates um you know samaria even um but but we see yeah yeah but we see these entwined serpents um culturally you know moving through mesopotamia like into you know um it's just uh it proliferates um and and you know right up to the modern um caduceus of mercury um that the medical association has basically um, yes, they do, don't they? That's simple. Yeah. So now that now back to Mercury again. Remember, we talked about yeah. Mercury being the god of the thieves and the merchants and the liars and the travelers. Um, and he basically has this rod or the staff that has the two entwined serpents on it, right? And those yeah. two entwined serpents, you know, they're basically um, they're secreting. A, a sacred oil um, that that is basically um, the creative function of commerce, right? And when you really look at what it is, you know, it's this oil and it's coming from snakes. So it's basically a snake oil. So, you know, and, then, you in, yeah, and in Mercury's other hand, he holds the money bag and he has the, uh, the wings on his feet ready to fly and <laughs> so you know when we get into it. It. yeah the modern idea of what um capitalism does within a society and you know how about thinking houses move yeah 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 you know mate right I'm, with the mention of dragons mm. do you think um the seven-headed dragon of Arimat has anything in connection with whether it all well, you know, you have also the seven-headed dragon of the apocalypse. You know? Yes. So, um, and, you know, when you get into um, John the Revelator and the apocalypse, um, you know, there's that whole idea that it was actually um, Lazarus, who Jesus rose from the dead, that basically became John the Revelator. And basically, because he had um had that night journey um where he had been taken into the heavens and shown the you know the cosmos and and basically 
you know, you look at that seven headed dragon. Um, and so you have a seven headed dragon in the beginning and the seven headed dragon in the end. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's some pretty interesting stuff, man. Especially when you get into the whole idea of the sevens, you know, and following the seven. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. uh, yeah. Is it, is it all, uh, just a coincidence? Um, I, I don't know. I don't think so. Mm. There can't it's, be that many coincidences. Sure. Well, you know, um, on a certain level, you know, I don't know. I, I honestly believe that there may be no such thing as a coincidence. I think that the, the way that energy moves and, and you know, energy forms yeah. stack that, you know, you know, you may say, oh, it's a coincidence, but it's only like energies working together within the, the time space continuum, you know, um, yeah. And, and sometimes I think that those energies can be set up, you know, for destruction, um, you know, and, oh, and sure. it's, uh, it's just interesting, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, I, we should probably keep it to the ancient Sumerian stuff, but, you know, but you start looking into, you know, the, the Marx and Engels writings and, you know, the end stages of capitalism and, you know, you start looking at a lot of these agreements that these merchants or these international banksters are making. And it's just, uh, I don't know, you know, um, the writing, I just think they see the writing on the wall, man. It's, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah, they're, uh, I mean, everything happens for a reason, isn't it? Well, I believe so anyway. Mm, it's yeah. like it, this lot, they, they know what, they know what they're doing. They know what's going to happen. They know yeah. when it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, uh, and that's the that's the interesting thing, man. If if you, you know, um, I I think that the way the universe functions is it's kind of like just a fractal, and you know, yeah. if if something can yeah. manifest, it will. You know, so it's like, should you be surprised with anything you see? Probably not. If if you have <laughs> the, the open-mindedness to be able to to say that the possibilities are endless to all extremes, you know. Um, I think that they, they I, I think that, yeah, I think that what you know what we really all you know, um, if you read you know all the ancient texts and you get into all these philosophies and you start walking down these paths, you know. Um, what it all really comes down to is knowing thyself, knowing yourself as a person, you know, um, realizing how you are in the world and why and how you perceive the way you perceive the things that you perceive, you know, and, and it's, you know, um, it, we can all get, you know, um, fooled by the snake oil, man, you know, yeah, it's, it's you know because it's it's just they just grind that stuff out and sell it everywhere man you know it's like we were talking about you know before the show started you know it's like you look at like you know they say guinness for strength and you know the soda yeah. pop moxie you know to, to it basically give you some nerve you know or what you know take a shot of whiskey you know you take a shot of courage you know it's it's all these these ideas that these things can empower you, you know, and then, then when you take that and you use it as a marketing campaign, you know, and play on people's subconscious, you know, realizations, 
you know it's uh yeah it's just uh and that's very that's very low level you know that's just that's just you know if you research like uh what's his name there you know madman um the advertising um oh edward bernays you know um, <laughs> mouth, mouth, all of it. yeah yeah he well he was the madman of advertising is what they called him you know and he's the guy that's basically behind the idea that sex sells you know so if you include sex in it then it's going to titillate someone to the point of you know it's um there's uh there was an old practice you know where um and and you still have it going on occasionally where uh one of the chinese restaurants i used to eat at they used to dip their they used to dip their plates in opium and uh then basically, oh, yeah, like an opium wash <laughs> yeah so so basically that's, uh, that's pretty extreme yeah well so then they would let it just a you know light light wash man just so it's just a, yeah. a little bit on the and then it would dry on the plate and then when you get your you know your buffet and you eat all your food when you get done eating you feel really good you know and you're like that's my favorite that's, that's, my, that's my favorite yeah that's my favorite food ever and so you know um it, and you know, I like I said, I know a restaurant that got shut down for doing it. You know, um, it's you know, so on on all levels, you know, there are people out there. You know, what do they say? here in New England? They say you know, in the winter time, you rub two pennies together to make a nickel. You know, it's uh... <laughs> it's brilliant, isn't it, mate? <laughs> yeah, you know, but but you know, it's kind of. Uh, it's kind of just the state that we're born into, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah, and, and, you know, it's not necessarily that money is the root of all evil, but it's the, the love of money that's the root of all evil, you know? Yeah, I think and, it's, it's a huge problem, mate, isn't it? When, mm. when you get the likes of these the extraordinary wealthy individuals and mm. they're so fucking selfish, mm. you know? You know? it's uh i mean you know when when we have you know all these multi-billionaires you know that are stacking cash in a proportionate uh, manner yeah. that we can't even conceivably understand how much yeah. a billion dollars is you know it's beyond our brain's possibility to comprehend that number you know yeah. um but but what did bob marley say you know if if you base your life on on money you know money's numbers and numbers go on forever it's like yeah you know it's uh yeah yeah they, they do as well yeah that's yeah. i think it is uh let's just go show the right of the bragging how much they've got but yeah they're, they're so selfish there's so yeah. much they could do it's like, uh kids they could help um unfortunate families there's so much that they could do but they don't do it they yeah, don't well, think they have to do it they don't you know, they, they, they're all right bragging but yeah right, yeah right. Uh, outlaws unfortunate because there are some really unfortunate people oh yeah yeah you know the 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 amount of people that are using food banks now the amount of people that are having to you know subside on public assistance it's uh you know um it's it's interesting um the whole diametric issue you know like in regard to how they print money to cause inflation 
Um, they devalue, you know, they decouple it from gold. They de- they do all these things to, you know, um, bring to focus money. on even more. I would say, right? mate. Right, and and you know, it's uh, it's just interesting, man. I I don't want to get into monetary theory right now. But... Oh no, me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah well, okay. so now now that that uh you know back to the whole idea of the leviathans though man yes. um as far as that that curved leviathan right um it's set you know when you get into um some of the uh as far as some of revelations but also some of the non-canonical texts um they basically talk about the idea that um, the curved serpent um, was basically salted and preserved, like put into a state of preservation, which I almost think that that has to do with the idea of the spirit itself coming into and creating matter, you know? Um, like, a, like essentially that Leviathan, that, and this is the, the feminine energy, um, basically sinks in and becomes salted or becomes the salt or becomes the think, three-dimensional reality. Do you think it's like, um, it's del- so, uh, so to speak, deliberately like um, comatized? Would you say that that is uh, where, where it lies? You know, well, and that's, you know, when you get into, um, like, you know, there's some animating force, you know, that some people consider to be God uh, or a goddess. Um, but it, it's that the idea of the mechanists, you know, as far as like uh, the founding fathers of the United States and, and some of their ilk was the idea that God made the universe and then left it to run like a clock. And basically, you know, it, it was hands off. Well, what if maybe it was this uh, female divine energy that facilitated the birth of creation that that came down and sunk into and became matter itself? And that, you know, is essentially preserving itself in salt, becoming the three-dimensional aspects that we exist within you know, and it's and but it says at the end of time that when we all turn back into um, basically light form energies, that we will all again partake into and or receive of this motherly energy that will return to and basically, you know, ascend and heal us all as we return to back to the monad. You know, it's uh. Sounds very interesting, mate. Right? Well, and that's the other thing, man. So, you know, when you come into, uh, from spirit into matter, and you create the idea of, uh, you know, a progenerative life-giving, you know, world, like we live in now, you know, trees and, you know, just fleas and mice and all the way up to, like, these, um, you know, unbelievable, you know, just creatures that that you know some see and some don't believe in um what if what if all of the animating factor that that is everything is that leviathan and we're in in that leviathan as part as far as part of that leviathan you know 
And then at the end of time, basically, you know, it it kind of becomes the mother. But while it's locked in the state of matter, like you were saying, it's in a state of almost comatose where, where the creator has made the creation, but you know, in order, maybe in order to maintain the creation, it's required that, that they cannot participate in the creation other than to be the creation. You know? Right, right. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. That me. Interesting stuff. I mean, it is very interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Anything to do with uh, dragons, mythology, anything like that, Robert. Mm. I, right. I love it. Well, and, you know, generally the medieval idea of the dragon, you know, is all the elements. So, you know, it's earth, wind, fire, water, like all combined into the singular unit that, that, you know, is this, um, you know, this creature to that all of us must master and slay, you know, it's uh, on an esoteric level, you know, Um, let's see. What else do I have here? You see, yeah. Uh, why, why you you'll see what you've got there, mate? It's like when when you just mentioned that on an esoteric level, mm. that's when things get, get even more interesting. Right. Well, yeah. and that's, but to me anyway, to me, yeah, it's yeah. Much, I mean, Robert, set me yeah. off on thought. You get it. You start getting into all these miscellaneous, you know, mythos and histories and stories through time, yeah. And, yeah. and you start to see semblances of them doing the same thing, acting the same way, you know, yeah. calling directions, like having yeah. night journeys, like these these different things where they're basically um, interacting and connecting with the higher and divine powers of the cosmos, you know. Yeah. So, so once you realize they're having these things, then to go in and proceed to try to understand, you know, what, what was going on, you know, um, oh, right. and it's, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, very, it's, and, and, you know, Yates, when you get into Yates, um, she said that everyone who studies history, as they study history, they are changing history. Because depending upon our understandings and where we're coming from, it's going to inflect and give us different viewpoints as far as to what we perceive. So some people are going to you know, be able to draw out certain facts that another person may not be able to draw out. You know? Yeah. yeah. yeah we're all different, man. I'm, we're all different. We all see things different. Right, right. And that's the spice of life, man. Since, man if we're, we're all the same, it will be, oh. be so fucking boring, mate yeah yeah it's uh yeah well and i mean but even being also different we are also also same you know in the sense that that you know we're occupying this planet you know we have our feet on the earth like you know it's like the the aspect of the the mental limitlessness of of the ideas of the mind you know it's uh yeah yeah, <laughs> brilliant, mate. You are uh, you're a legend, mate. You just continuously blow my mind. <laughs> um, I love it, Robert. I love it. Let's see. Yeah, but man, there's just 
uh, I've been going through so much stuff as far as because I'm getting this whole Prussian deep dive together on Bohemia, um, and uh, got so much art that I'm having to crank out at the moment. Yeah, I bet, of, mate. you know, I bet you are um, constantly nonstop. Your brain is constantly going over different things, like what you research and that. And yeah. I know when you're just looking at one subject, it can yeah. get yeah. pretty hefty. Oh yeah, and you know that's the whole thing, man. Every single subject, it, if you take the time to really dig into it and cohesively understand it, it becomes just this giant, giant web of of interrelated things. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. I found a lot of them as well, Robbie. A lot of them, you end up coming back on yourself to, at the same point what you started at. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, or you start to find uh, sources that are giving you the same information. And then you can... Yeah, that's a little one, yeah. You know, and then you can start to say, well, I'm not the first person who's made this realization. You know, it's, uh, yeah, definitely. So just during this last poster I was doing... Um, I got to go through two books and probably about 10, 12 podcasts, you know, wow. just while I sit and, and make art, man. It's, uh, Is it, what, 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 which, um, was that for Robert? Oh, that's the Ganja Grail poster. I just finished. Ganja Grail poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. I'll probably be releasing it here pretty soon, man. Um, just have to get everything ready for um, marketing and on their end. And once uh, generally, man, just, you know, as far as etiquette, um, when I do the art, you know, I just wait until they release it before I release it. Is That is, I fully get that, mate. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, it, it would start save a lot of problems as well, that wouldn't it? I mean, if, yeah. you, if you go like that's your system in place and you stick to it and it works for you, why change it? It would right. just um, alter your timeline, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean it's an altering timeline. I mean, like it would change. It's like you're used to doing it a certain way, and that that's always worked for you. So why would you make make a change? Mm, right. When it's working. If so you know, uh, here's a little. Here's something interesting, man. Um, as far as the great spirit of the wisdom of Ahura Mazda, right? Getting into the whole Angra Manu and, and, you know, the lie versus the, the truth. Um, so uh, Ahura Mazda said that there were two opposing mentalities, right? And these were opposing co-equal mentalities. Um, one of them was the Spinta Menu, right? And this is S-P-E-N-T-A-M-A-Y-N-U. And this is being broad-minded, generous of the spirit, of the harvesting heavenly bounty, and of having a progressive mind. And then there was the other, which was Angramanyu. <laughs> being narrow-minded, petty, the conservative spirit of constraint in accordance with only the progressive generative force was the path to find 
the spirit of oh that's a separate part so basically yeah you have one that was that was open-mindedness and generous and then the other one which was you know closed-minded and and greedy yeah so when you get into the the positive and the negative spirit um as far as you know getting into the you know um yes well and and so back to the leviathan too you know um the idea of of that coming into and creating matter um that would also relate into the idea of adam and eve when um eve ate of the fruit and brought death into existence as far as so if if you were to come down in and create a a bountiful life-giving you know plane of existence um at the same time by de facto you know forcibly you would also create death you know right yeah you know yeah so yeah it's like one doesn't come without the others is it right right and that's there's there's light yeah the yin and the yang those two dragon forces moving against each other you know the ouroboros both creating yeah, yeah. itself and destroying itself it's uh yeah so it seems this episode's been a lot about those two serpents you know it sounds me um yeah you know I, well you now, know, go ahead just well, just a quick one right probably uh, i'm not quite sure if you know uh, about this but we've got um the flag of wales is a red dragon and yeah that's wales and i know going i was in london at one point man and um in certain areas with the obelisks you also have a lot of those black dragon sculptures as far as coming from the monarchy you know yeah you've got that but also as well you've got from um anglo-saxon flag was a a white dragon white dragon yeah the goes around the Arthurian times, um, right, right, claimed that there was uh, a legend of uh, a white dragon battling with a red dragon, and mm. the white dragon being the English dragon, and the mm-hmm. red dragon being the Welsh dragon. Welsh dragon, nice, yeah. interesting, interesting, yeah, 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 and that's in you know, but you know, again, the two dragons battling these two, you know, forces. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, um, when you get into back to dialectics and the conversation, you know, it, it's, I start to think on a certain level that a lot of this world economic forum stuff and, and yeah. the Klaus Schwab. And um, I think it, it has to do with creating, you know, the narrative force, you know, as far as one side yeah. versus yeah. the other um and and it's uh yeah i mean like like hitchcock said you know you have to have a basic element that drives the story and it doesn't matter if it's you know x y or z um but but in order to precipitate you know i mean so so i mean they're almost like you know comic book characters man (laughs) yeah you know it's uh it is it's crazy man yeah, oh, I, I, I love I love it all. Oh yeah, 
I don't, I mean, I mean, I'm not into, obviously, I'm not into, when people actually getting hurt and it's like all the wars and all that bullshit, it's just, just unnecessary. Mm. It is, but yeah. mythology is me, mate, I, I just love it. Well, oh, that's think, what we're going over now. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> but I think what mythology really does for us, you know, um, in a great way, is it gives us um, different ways to look at things and have realizations about the world that we live in. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and and that echoes in, you know, and right up to modern times. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, you know. It is. It's extraordinary, Robert, because there's that that many uh, that many different pantheons, that many different realms, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of them, a lot of them are just so similar, right? Well, but from so, completely different times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, in you know, back to the whole echoes. You know what? You know, Mark Twain, history doesn't rhyme; it echoes. Um, but it's it's and you know how we were talking about the caduceus as far as the medical caduceus you know um that that symbol with the two snakes that are wrapped around the fiery torch um is the symbol of trade and barter it's not the symbol of of medicine and healing you know um this the symbol of the a single serpent on a staff um, being, you know, from Asclepius, um, is basically the symbol of healing and medicine, you know, so, so when you see a lot of these, you know, hospital associations, um, it's just interesting that they would choose to use the symbol for barter and trade over the symbol of, of the healing aspect, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy, isn't it, mate? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, trying to think. Uh, the the serpents. We were talking about the serpents and that. It's uh, yeah, but but you know, um, it's uh, it's it's quite interesting, you know, just to see just to see the whole evolution of it all. You know, it is um, it's pure fascination. On, on like a, another level, um, yeah. especially when you, you you've taken like this episode to a, down down like a, a route that I didn't expect, <laughs> and that that's what I love about you, Robert. Is you could take it to that many different areas, um, and every time you just seem to nail with what I'm thinking as well. Mm. Um, it just makes sense with how you put everything together it makes sense right so now um Zora, now did you know that zoroaster um as far as the whole idea of you know um all the stuff that we had previously talked about um was also the one who did we talk about um the birth of mithra I don't believe we did, but I'll, I'll <laughs> please let's go there. <laughs> so uh, now you, you're familiar with Zoroaster pretty extensively, yeah? Uh, yeah, a bit, a bit. No, I wouldn't yeah, say extensively, but yeah, I, yeah. I do like uh, looking into that, that this particular area at the minute. 
I think right, it's fascinating, right. Robert. Right. It really is. Um, and I've heard you bring up several questions with other people, you know, in regard to um, Angermanyu and, you know, yeah, yeah. and the, the demon of the age and technocracy. And, um, well, it was um, Zoroaster who was actually um, behind the birth of Mithra, right? And um, let's see. So Eusebius tells us that um, in a cave, right, that essentially yeah. Zoroaster, um, so it says, in this cave bore for him the image of the cosmos of which Mithra had, had leapt. And the things which the cave contained by their proportionate arrangement provided him with symbols of, of the elements and the climates of the cosmos. So basically, Zoroaster, um, when we get back into the idea of those Zadoks that I was talking about as far as yeah. the sons of Noah and how they were going around and practicing Kabbalah and basically spending, you know, long contemplative times in caves meditating, right? Yeah. Um, very much along the same lines, Zoroaster um, would, you know, take long jaunts into caves and meditate. And um, so it was this cave, essentially, that um, there was a weeping willow. Right a weeping at, willow? A weeping willow inside of a cave with a hole in the top, right? So light was shining down in to illuminate the tree. And yeah, the, yeah. the weeping willow was growing right next to a fresh spring that was bubbling up right there. Right. So right. here again, we have the symbol of the uh, the divine waters of creation, you know, watering the tree of life. Right. And, and right. then you have the rays of the sun coming down and illuminating. And so um, and, and from the spring, you know, you have the bubbles, which are basically, you know, air form, um, you know, filled with all the elements simultaneously around them. Um, as far as the reflection, um, but next to the stream, yeah, next to the stream was a patar stone, essentially. Um, well, at least the affinitive definition of a patar stone, which would be one of these tall standing stones. And, you know, we see the patar stone in the uh, megaliths um, around yes. England and Ireland, as far as, you know, the, the what are they called? Uh, the, is it a cromlich stone? I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I, I could be wrong here, mate. Cromlich, the cromlich stone may be one of them. It may be one of the biggest ones that fell down. But basically, it's a tall standing stone that they plant upright. And a lot of times, it's related to the phallus, um, you know, it goes back into Egypt and relates with the obelisk, right. um, and very much with the uh, Jacob's pillow after he had his dream and he, he turned the stone upright um, and then put sacred oil on it, you know. So you have the, this patar stone that is next to this weeping willow and this bubbling brook um, that basically, you know, they're burning um, sacred oil on the stone. Yeah. And so the stone's on fire. So the stone is actually said to be a red stone. And, um, red stone. Yeah, and that stone essentially cracks open. And when that stone cracks open, um, Mithra 
came into this realm and basically had a dagger in one hand and was completely naked and had a lamp for or a, a torch for illumination in the other hand and and that was the birth of mithraism and this, right and this was basically at the point when mithraism um kind of got driven underground by the other rising religions of the time and so right. zoroaster kind of disappeared off the map and kind of turned into mithraism did did it happen quite quickly no i think it happened over like a, i think it kind of went years. yeah well i was gonna say even more like a thousand or more years that it right. kind of disappeared and and you know and then resurfaces yeah because um, when i found robert i found that the the dates off the top of my head it was around uh six seven thousand bc up mm -hmm. until like second third uh bc mm -hmm, mm -hmm. around uh, it could be any, any time between those but I, again I, i'm not wasn't 100 on it yeah well um, and you go back to to zoroaster and that would be you know um like twelve thousand to like eight thousand around in there right right um interesting so it's uh you know and basically the the idea was very much like how the egyptian mystery schools kind of went underground and then yeah, supposedly yeah. later popped back up to, you know through the rosicrucians yeah. and the masonic orders um kind of uh zoroastrianism in a similar way got driven underground and coming you know came back as uh, mithraism right i get you mate i got you yeah so but yeah and then you know you get into all the temple of mithra and the slaying of the sky bull and back to you know we were talking about yeah. the, scorp the scorpion earlier you know um yeah. when, when mithra slays the sky bull um the score you know the scorpio is stinging it's stinging the um the bull's testicles oh <laughs> yeah yeah Nice, mate. So, nice. Yeah, yeah. so again, you know, it's also related to being in the time of Scorpio, which goes right back to that, you know, Sumerian, Akkadian mythos of Tiamat yeah. you know, getting his head cut off. And, and what happens with the bull, you know, they slit the bull's throat, you know, and then the participant would be, you know, like under a grate and would be bathed in the, the blood of the, the bull you know it, it is the um the connections are fucking crazy mm, yeah <laughs> really out of brilliance aren't they <laughs> yeah well and, and you know you go back into uh to zoroaster and um they would they would kind of do some similar type sacrifices with donkeys you know so oh that's interesting, uh, interesting. well and, and it was also the zoroastrians um, when you go back that we see the earliest um, apron as far as like the Masonic apron, um, right. you know, which would basically be given to a youth um, when they turned 13 years old. And basically it was like the, you know, their manhood. And if yeah. they did anything that shamed them, they would actually lose their, their ritual apron, you know? So it's uh Yeah crazy connections man aren't they yeah yeah so but yeah mithra and zoroaster 
you know, it's just interesting the the uh, the tie over yeah. there, you know. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm glad that you explained that. Oh, fucking a lot better than what I could explain it, mate. Um, this mm. is what I mean about you, Robert. You um, you just so gifted. Ah, I just like, <laughs> like to dig into this stuff, man. Yeah, it's brilliant, mate. It really is. Um, I mean, would you say that, uh, like, Sorath mm -hmm. would have some... any, yeah, would have any, any link into um, Mithras, maybe Zoroastrianism? Hmm. I mean, you know, when you get into the slaying of the heavenly bull and you compare that, you know, cross culturally, um, as far as the Egyptians and Serapis, um, it, and then you also have the Greek slaying of the cosmic white sky bull um, that Poseidon, you know, gave to the king of Crete. Um, it's it's just interesting. As far as does it have a what? Rephrase the question again. Did, what do you say that um, like Sorath, Sun Demon, has any link to? Um, Mithras or Zoroastrianism. Right, right. Um, in the sense that maybe there is a time and and a season for everything. Um, and, you know, when you get into uh, the sun demon Sorath and like, you know, Steiner um, basically talks about that, you know, every planet has a positive and a negative aspect. Um, so, you know, there's on the sun, there's this sun demon, Sorath, and then there's also a, a sun angel of sorts. Um, sun angel. Angel, right. So, you know, like in every planet would have a negative force and a positive force. Um, much like, uh, or, you know, in, instead of a positive and a negative force, maybe what you could say is a divine feminine aspect and the divine right. masculine aspect and, okay, yeah. and the the female is just generally always associated with the underworld and and the demon you know just because of the creation of matter um right. so you know um yeah it's but as far as maybe it's the you know like how the sun itself um they've they've said comes and basically is like a spring and resets itself like in 11 year cycles you know on the short end and then there's a bit you know bigger cycles you know cycles within cycles um so maybe it's the idea that within every animated heavenly body there's a time where it, it's going to act in in a, a negative way and a time it's going to act in a positive way you right. Know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because like Saturn, you know, Saturn, you have the idea of the Reaper and death and the cutting off, and but you also have the idea of the Hag or the, you know, the yeah, the, yeah. You know, so you you basically have you know um, a feminine and very much like when you get into uh, Mercury, you know, how you have the morning and the evening star along those same lines. Yeah, you know. very interesting, mate. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, G Jesus even says he is the morning and the evening star. So it's, you know, 
it's 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 just interesting when you start to try to decipher all of these symbols and how they interrelate and and you know complement yeah. or counter one another you know yeah uh, but they can go it can go either way you know yeah 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 and well and you read some of the old texts and um they'll talk about like you know um this will happen in a hot jupiter or this will happen in a cold mars you know so now you're again back to dealing with alchemical aspects as far as the hot being the fire you know the cold being the water you know so it's and and it's uh you know when you read paracelsus um like all of those aspects are entwined in the whole and and yeah, yeah. through the course of different um outside affecting forces um you can you know excrete or or subdue those forces you know yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So, this fucking fascinating me <laughs> yeah it's uh i mean it's a lot of very philosophical kind of stuff man you know when you get into it um yeah. so now um let's see And it, I, that's the other thing. So that original Mithra story, right, yeah. um, is from the mountains near Persia. And uh, I kind of liken it to um, Zoroastrianism. Zora, and and it's funny that um, Zoroaster himself was the prophet of Ahura Mazda, while simultaneously, um, you know, worshiping. Or and I don't know, man. I almost think that when you really look at the story of Mithra, um, to me, it almost has airs of summoning up an entity and bringing some sort of a, you know, egregore into the world. Um, that is just, uh... <laughs> you know, because fascinating, mate. Well, really. So so now, if you go and I directly relate this to. Um, a story in the Bhagavad Gita where um, basically there's, and I've talked about this before, but there's this entity that's equivalent with Lucifer that's in this timeless space that basically um, is, is doing some sort of a cosmic alchemy and gets like shouted down and, and is made to fall into matter. And, and as that entity is ascending through the the heavens and the cosmos and you know coming through space it's basically crying out to the the in you know the other archons in the universe and it's saying you know where should i go where can i go and um he's basically pointed to the earth and that there are people here um and this is directly relating to the indian philosophy that have these patar stones and are burning the sacred oil on the patar stones so it was actually this burning of the oil on the stones that brought this this fallen entity to earth you know that's very and, interesting man. right so in the same manner in the story of of zoroaster and the birth of mithra you have this you know this patar stone next to this 
you know, all these cosmic symbols. And basically the stone, you know, cracks open and this entity comes forth. So it's just interesting comparing those two stories, you know, in regard to, and, and when we look at Mithra, right, Mithra was um, in charge of contracts and in charge of deal making and, yeah. and is very, yeah, very much related to um, like Papalegba of the Voodoo tradition as Papalegba. far as yeah, who guards the crossroads, right? And makes deals with people, you know, for, for their mortal soul, basically. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and so, um, and I don't know if you know the legend over here, um, but I kind of grew up in it in, in the South, in the United States. Oh, pa Papalegba. Papa uh, do you know? Do you know, mate? Uh, right, uh, I've I've heard little snippets about uh, Papa Leg, but not. I've yeah. never gone deep. I, I think I should really. I guess all yeah. the voodoo. It's just uh, fucking hell, mate. That's fascinating as oh, anything yeah. else. Yeah. So is. now, now, incredible. As, as far as uh, are you familiar with the blues blues artist Robert Johnson? Uh, I'm not no Robert Johnson. Is that, is that the one who, who sold his soul? Soul to the devil, right? He's the yeah, first yeah. one that was also in the Twenty Seven Club. So ah, right, Twenty Seven yeah. Club. So so now uh, Robert Johnson, he's down in West Helena, Arkansas, basically West Memphis, um, and uh, you know supposedly they say that he was horrible at the guitar like and yeah. he could not sing at all and and people kind of just walked past him and never paid him any money you know because basically in hell and even to this day if you go down to hell in arkansas um you can catch some um, miscellaneous blues acts just sitting out on the corner playing playing music man really oh yeah for sure for sure um <laughs> So, well, so nonetheless, Robert Johnson, he proceeds to go um, out to what they call the crossroads, right? Right. And, and it's an actual, an actual area where you can go to. Yeah, so I've been to a couple places out there that right. they have said are the crossroads. Um, I don't know if they were the actual one, but, you know, it's right outside of Helen, Arkansas. And, um, you know, so, and now when you get into the crossroads, right, a true crossroad is not the x as far as two roads crossing one another right a right. true a true crossroad is three roads coming together right right so basically it's symbolic of the path of the practitioner and choosing between the left and the right hand path of knowledge right, right. so so you go out to these crossroads and there's there's a whole formula and you basically dig a hole and you bury a treasured position and, you know, supposed, and then, you know, you basically bring forth Papa Legba and Robert Johnson basically, you know, sold his eternal soul and learned how to play the guitar better than anybody else at that time. And he came back into town and the people that knew him said they could not believe the difference of how, you know, just really how good he was, you know? And so it's this quintessential legend. It's very, you know, Faustian, um, but yeah. it's it's the quintessential birth of rock and roll 
as as a form of music right there at the crossroads of Robert Johnson. That was the birth of rock and roll, man. You know, and, and it is really, uh, yeah. And, and this this was was it Papa Legba who was uh, allegedly sold the soul to? Yeah, so Papa Legba, right. much much like Mithra, is the the garter of the crossroads. Um, he's the the one that makes contracts and and makes sure yeah. people you know keep to their to their deal you know and it's the whole idea don't don't let that deal go down you know it's uh <laughs> you know yeah, um, yeah. but but don't let that deal go down yeah <laughs> but, but you know the whole the whole thing with mithra um you know and it ties into serapis and that cosmic white bull um just as far as you know seasonally there's uh, you know and um there's there's a, a lot of masonic um beliefs say that you know as the cosmos turns you know a lamb can be born one day and just because of the shifting of the stars it can cause it to die the next day so you know it bas this basically gets into the idea of fate you know but yeah, but yeah. every every year um you know they basically would and serapis the egyptian bull um, was basically a spotted bull that was the offspring of a mother. Spotted. Yep, of a mother that had been struck by lightning. Right? Oh. So you know, and they're taking this this offspring, this illuminated offspring, you know, and sacrificing it to to um, yeah. Pluto would be the most um, appropriate thing as far as you know from what I've I've traced down. Um, yeah it's uh and then but but it's the idea of the cycle and and the sacrifice required you know required within that time span and the the giving and the taking of life and you know um very much related to agriculture um and and right. you know the rising agricultural you know societies of these times yeah. you know yeah. um yeah yeah, but it's just Crazy, interesting. <laughs> yeah, but it's just interesting the whole um, link there as far as and and when you look at Mithra and you know um, we've recently had um, what is it uh, Bloomberg um, that uh, and I guess it's there in in the city of London and do you know about this? There's there's what? a Mithraic yeah. temple. Yeah, mate. The uh, yeah, it was after. Uh, World War Two, you know, after the the bombings in London, right? And uh, they they it, found it and they basically moved it and and yeah. reestablished, you know, um, this ancient Mithraic temple. Um, yeah, it's, it's meant to be one of the most yeah. uh, well preserved like Mithra sites on on the planet. Right, Me meant to be. Uh, right, right. I would love to go there, Robert. Love to, yeah. but uh, oh, yeah. you know. Um, well, but not I also think it's not close to me. I live at the near enough opposite end of uh, England, so yeah, yeah, so it's a ways. Um, but man, oh, I, yeah. just, I just find it interesting. Um, the the you know, modern links of Mithracism and how you know, um, a lot of that seems to be kind of you know, genuflecting back into the modern you know, mythos. Yes, yes. Yeah. I agree with you, mate. I, I, I mean, I know 
I'm not quite sure if you've seen it. Have you seen Raised by Wolves? No. Oh, yeah, I did see that. I did see that. That was some, that was, yeah, uh, what is it, the guy there that did Alien? Uh, Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott, Scott, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I really, I really enjoyed Prometheus. That was probably one of my favorite movies. Oh, brilliant, that Prometheus. Yeah, but this Raised by Wolves was definitely quite interesting, huh? Yeah, it was, uh, well, the symbology in it was um, frightening. But oh, it's yeah. in most things now. There's right. Loads of shows now with, with yeah. symbolism in it. Um, but yeah. with uh, it's raised by walls, it was like Mithras. Yep. And um, I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It was in how that they had the cult going around and they had the whatever magical radioactive thing. And Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, uh, did, you, have, did you have you watched all of the, um, all the seasons on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. This is brilliant. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I usually spend about I don't know maybe an hour, two hours a day chilling out with my wife, and we watch a couple That's shows. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I yeah. try that route. You know, it's a bit of balance, mate. I know a lot of it's bullshit on telly, but oh, yeah. there are some good shows there. Oh yeah, well, it's entertainment, man. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some brilliant it, things. If you're aware of the active forces that are trying to, you know, influence your psyche through the course of watching those, you know, and you can see them like, you know, and, and you, I, I almost look at a lot of what modern television is as just more retelling of these. Um, I mean, I think at a certain point, you know, there's only so many so- story structures, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, these, a lot of them uh, are just a waste of time watching them. Yep. Now, have you seen Raising Jupiter? Raising Jupiter? I've not know what's this thing. Yeah, Jupiter. it's a it's a movie, but it's very much along the lines of the Sumerian gods, as Raising far as Jupiter. you know. And well, and that's you know when you get into the whole Sumerian culture um this like the sacrifice right um as far as we're talking about different you know before in and you know before animal sacrifices were i mean i think animal sacrifices were always there but they ran in tandem with human sacrifices and i think that that those human sacrifices um you know um i was going somewhere with that and i got sidetracked but jupiter rising robert Oh, Jupiter rise, but so the Sumerians, yeah, yeah. So the Sumerians basically said that the the human sacrifices, right, were basically the 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 oil that kept the universe turning, that kept the gears of the something along those lines. So basically, the sacri- you know, the human sacrifice was required in order to facilitate the turning gears of the universe. You know, and, and they, <laughs> yeah, and 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 I think that that's very much along the lines of when you get into the Egyptian Serapis, and when you get into the the white bull of of Crete, and when you get into Mithras, as far as the you know the heavenly slaughtering yeah. of the bull, that I think that that this is kind of along the same kind of lines, where. Yeah. You know, it, nature requires death in order to facilitate life. 
something along those kind of lines. You know? So, yeah, yeah. Just, um, it doesn't matter which way you go, Robert, it is all to me fascinating. <laughs> uh, I love it yeah, all. It is, it's, love all it very, all. it's all very fascinating, man. Yeah, it is, mate. And all very relevant, I think. Mm, I don't yeah. think people realize um, how important all the, you know, it's not, it's not to me anyway. I don't, I think it's, um, beyond uh, being uh, mythology mm. and there's m- much more to it than that mm. yeah yeah it's uh, well i think what it does in a way is it creates a different type of mind filter where where when you have all these analogous stories and all you know it you kind of run it's it's a broader spectrum of compare and contrast in the mindscape. That's a, a brilliant interpretation, mate. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, you know, um, on a certain level, after you go through these mythos, you know, um, it's you can either start to predict or you can start to see patterns. You, you, you reach a deeper understanding of conceiving larger patterns of the turning versus focusing upon the, the you know, necessity of the now that modern culture is so yeah. caught up in, you know, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that they've, you know, created such a consumer class that's so dependent upon, you know, the appeal to authority of the media, um, fools rush in, man. It's, uh, um, you could not put it and, any and, better, mate. And, you know, when, when Rockefeller in, you know, now we're talking the eldest Rockefeller before they had all their fortune and fame, you know, we're talking about old man Rockefeller that basically, old man Rockefeller. <laughs> yeah, this is, this, so this is before he set up his first grocery stores and before the family got into the oil business. Right. Um, right. but basically he was going around town to town and he was selling, you know, it's a, it's a common American epithet that, you know, uh, the, you have the idea of the snake oil salesman. Snake oil salesman, yeah. Yeah, so Rockefeller um, basically, you know, got his start as a snake oil salesman. And so he basically had these bottles that, you know, were a mixture of petroleum and, and different herbs. And he would basically go and sell this as a cure-all. You know, and so he would roll into town with his little, his little cart, (laughs) you know, and he would drop his stage down, you know, and then he would come out and he would hustle snake oil. Crazy, man. Crazy. And, you know, if you're going bald, rub it on your head. If you got a stomachache, drink it down and you'll be all cute. Oh, if you, you know, if you, if you, if you're constipated, it'll clean you right out. It's like, no matter what, you know, what, no matter what it is, it's it's good for it. And, uh, so, I wonder how many people fell for that. Oh well, the thing was, man, this is back before information traveled at such a rapid rate like it does now. You know, yeah. So he would roll into one town and he would basically sell snake oil until the people got onto his game, and then he would basically jump on his horse and ride a couple yeah. counties over and set up shop again. And you know, um, it was. Uh, it was yeah 
Um, Crazy, snake, oil, snake oil salesman, man. And, snake oil salesman. You know, and they're still selling snake oil to us, man. Oh, you know? man. <laughs> Will they ever stop? Will they ever stop? Selling? No, no, they won't. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's, you know, I mean, that's one thing quintessentially that I think, you know, um, that America is really good at is hustling. You know, and there's good hustles and there's bad hustles. And, you know, um, I don't, uh, do you know about Three Card Monty? Um, I'm not, I don't yeah. know how to play and win it. No, I think it's, yeah. uh, is that the scam one? Uh, oh, yeah. And I'll go watch, I see it, you know, here and there when I'm traveling across country. Um, but basically it's three cards, you know, and yeah. it's press the digitation, man. I mean, you pick up the cards and set them down in such a way that you create a deception. And, you know, uh, the, the chances of actually picking the right card are very slim, you know, especially if you get a really good, good dealer, you know. Yeah. Um, but but I've sat and watched people just lose lose money, man. It's, uh, you know, and, and I don't know, you know, you touch the stove once and you get burned and hopefully, you, you, you know, you don't get burned again. I mean, I, you know, I can personally say I've accepted counterfeit cash from people trying to buy my product and, you know, they got away with it. And I can say that I bought into news stories that, you know, later turned out to be untrue. And, you know, I mean, we're all susceptible, you know. Um, yeah, definitely. I am. But I'm sorry about you had um, yeah. somebody do something like that. It's just. Um, oh, it's, it's happened more than once, it. man. But that's the thing, man. That's the. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that's the, uh, that's the, you know, the capitalist spirit, you know, I mean, by, by crook or by, you know, hook, it's, you know, yeah, it's, okay. it's, you know? Me, yeah. and, it's, uh... and it's very much like, you know, all these, these fake telemarketer calls that just never seem to end, you know, I mean, yeah. and, you know, they, somebody's always trying to pinch you, man, for something. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. And it all goes back to that snake oil, man. So, snake okay. Oil, so, man. Yeah. Yeah. So finishing up, right. With these two snakes, right. Um, they're also compared to being analogous to um, Lilith and Samael. Right. And right. so, Lilith. oh yeah. Yeah. And so basically they say that if Lilith and Samael ever met and, and proceeded to, um, you know, have intercourse that um, the the destruction of the universe would ensue as far as the end of all time and space, you know, and it's very much um, that like these two Leviathans, you know, that at the end of time and space, you know, um, they will be again entwined, you know, so interesting, very yeah, interesting. yeah, so it's uh Interesting. You just throw in the old uh, Samuel Lilith into it. A Lilith, uh, I know, right? I know. It's um, like it just caps everything off to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but if you go to Egypt, who had a lot lot of serpent, you know, um, like theology, um, yeah. if you see the the cobra on the pharaoh's headdress, man, um, that was representative of the thought. And basically, 
Yeah, the controlling of the thought and the ability to strike out against reality and to manipulate your environment and to your own mean. So, you know, it's... Uh, Would that have any connection uh, to the, the Naga people? The Naga people. The Nagas? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Nagas, man. I mean, when you get into the Nagas, um, you're talking about these entities that existed like in a cave system um some stories go into hollow earth um but they were basically they were like serpent people and they had uh bodies that were serpentine and then they had human faces and um you know and they they like some of the stories talk about um the purest of white pearlescent scales you know and basically these nagas were like highly like super intelligent and only wanted to interact with uh, the upper echelons of the you know the people that they met um and and it ties into um some of the beginnings of some of the royal bloodlines as well as far as uh you know serpentine anguipede um you know, parentage of um, some of the miscellaneous bloodlines um, in Asia and uh, the Merovingian bloodlines, the, you know, well, that would be more, well, Anguipede, yeah, so that would be more snake. Um, but yeah, there's several, several different, um, but the Nagas are, are definitely, and they were said to guard some of the, like, the most sacred information um and yeah the nagas are definitely interesting man yeah yeah they certainly yeah. are mate yeah Robert. but yeah <laughs> i think we could even get another one out of this one <laughs> <laughs> well that's the Incredible. whole thing man there's so much serpent serpentine stuff yeah you know that from you know from uh from the uh the beginning as far as the uh um what's it called the egg the you know um to and and the egg had the giant serpent wrapped around it um the cosmic egg essentially the cosmic birth, egg. yeah the cosmic egg that birthed forth all of creation and like basically um uh you know this goddess form basically laid in gestation inside of this egg like one sidereal year which would be like one full turning of the turning of the ages you know the yeah. um you know the the full you know what is it 126,000 um years and then at the end of that turning basically that egg you know broke open and spilled forth creation you know um, and in the Egyptian stories, it was like it was in the Nile and it got rolled up on the bank. And I think it was the goddess Anana that came out of the, the egg, you know. Fascinating, um, mate. Really yeah. is. But the, the earliest Saturnian cults basically had that egg with a serpent wrapped around it, you know, going up. Very interesting. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, that just so much serpent stuff through all the time, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. as it just, as far as an animal of wisdom, um, you know, it was seen by the fact that it, it glided across the top of the, of the land with no feet. And so like it basically, they, they thought it floated on the land. And then the fact that it would shed its skin every year, 
they believe that it renewed its life, you know, every single year. So it was all, it was perpetually young. Um, so it has a lot of association with the, the ancient wisdom, you know, the like yeah, philosophy, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mate. Like, fuck it on it. That was just extraordinary. Yes. Again, Robert. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, would you like to wrap it up here? And you sure. know, I think we we could we could go again, Robin, with some. I mean, like that with the Naga people. Mm. Um, like you say, there's just so much serpent serpentry. Oh yeah, it's incredible. Mm. And, yeah. and your perspective, you know, you've got multiple perspectives, Robert, and that's why speaking to you mm. is such a fucking word you like um, <laughs> well I'm, gl- I'm glad you, you are a, a phenomenal robert you always are mate um would you like to let everybody know where they can get old you please mate um yeah probably the easiest place is you can follow me on instagram at robbie r-o-b-b-y marks m-a-r-x um or if you google just r marks artist r dot m-a-r-x artist um i'm out there pretty much everywhere i got an etsy page yeah you'll probably put the links in the show notes and whatnot yes i will do mate 100 cool cool cool. Um, brilliant um robert (laughs) you're a legend you're a legend mate that was incredible and that was basically i think that was like three pages out of my notebook here that we kind of went over and kind of went off on some tangents about, you know. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So. Um, you are incredible, mate. You really yeah. are. It's fun <laughs> stuff, man. It's fun stuff. Yeah, thank you very much, Robert. Well, um, I'm going to stop recording now, Robert. Cool. Okay.